Welcome to the first episode of the Indistinct Chatter podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Ruth, and today we're going to be reflecting on the first letter within a slim tome named Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke. This was written in the early 20th century. I was rereading this recently. It's something that I read during my undergraduate years, more than 20 years ago, and as I was rereading it, it struck me how poignant it was if one were to look at it through the lens of educational leadership, since I've spent the better part of the last 25 years in education and the last eight years or so in positions of educational leadership. I'll start off with a, the, the short excerpt from the end of the translator's introduction. The translator is a person named Stephen Mitchell, because I think it really sets the stage for, for what's to come. And in many ways, as I read through the first letter, which I will punctuate from time to time with, with commentary, think about this, I guess, in several ways. On the one hand, it is perhaps most apt as advice to an aspiring leader or a leader in their very first headship, for instance. And yet I think there's a lot to be considered if one has been in a position of leadership for some time. For instance, there's a a sort of mentor relationship here between Rilke and this young poet who is sending him letters and asking for a critique of his work. There's an awful lot of wisdom in how Rilke responds to this. So although, as I said, it may be most apt for those in the early years of leadership, I think it is just as valuable for those who are in their mid-career with respect to leadership or are mature leaders. So as I said, we'll start off with the end of Stephen Mitchell's introduction as the translator. All through the letters, there are insights of a very high order. This is a book that has some of the qualities of a great poem, the density, the richness, the seemingly inexhaustible nourishment. And like a poem, it can mirror back to us our condition, changing as we change, clarifying as our vision becomes more clear, until its insights become as familiar and obvious as our own face. So now as I begin to read the first letter, again, keep that frame in mind of a mentor, Rilke, speaking to his charge, who is, who is writing him for advice. And that young charge could easily be uh, a leader at any stage in their career, whether early career, mid-career, late career. Dear Sir, your letter arrived just a few days ago. I want to thank you for the great confidence you have placed in me. That is all I can do. I cannot discuss your verses, for any attempt at criticism would be foreign to me. Parenthetical remark here. As we're talking about poetry and writing and works of art, do consider that from my perspective, we're really talking about educational leadership. Now back to that letter. Nothing touches a work of art so little as words of criticism. 
they always result in more or less fortunate misunderstandings. They aren't also tangible and sayable as people would usually have us believe. Most experiences are unsayable. They happen in a space that no word has ever entered. And more unsayable than all other things are works of art. Those mysterious existences whose life endures beside our own small, transitory life. For me, that was particularly poignant, particularly poignant because as he's talking about things that are not so tangible and sayable as people would usually want, I thought, well, isn't that an awful lot like leadership? It seems as if it should be so simple to convey the experience that one has had or the experience that one has observed, whether that's conveying it to a colleague, perhaps conveying it to a board. But yet, as Rilke says, these things are more unsayable than all other things in the world. These things being works of art, leadership, moments of learning, right? These are mysterious existences. And it's not as sayable as people might want. You ask, he says, whether your verses are any good. You ask me. You've asked others before this. You send them to magazines. You compare them with other poems. And you're upset when certain editors reject your work. Again, parenthetical observation. This reminds sort of me personally, and I'm sure many listening, of what it was like going through those first leadership searches. Right? You're asking others for advice, for guidance. You're sending out. You're comparing yourself with other candidates, whether you know who they are or you don't know who they are. You're upset when certain editors reject your work, says Rilke. Well, in those earliest searches, you become upset when a committee doesn't want to speak with you. To return to Rilke, now, he says, since you've said you want my advice, I beg you to stop doing that sort of thing. You're looking outside, and that's what you should most avoid right now. No one can advise you or help you. No one. There's only one thing you should do. Go into yourself. Find out the reason that commands you to write, or I would say to lead. See whether it has spread its roots into the very depths of your heart. Confess to yourself whether you would have to die if you were forbidden to write. This most of all, ask yourself in the most silent hour of your night, must I write? Dig into yourself for a deep answer. And if this answer rings out in assent, if you meet this solemn question with a strong, simple, I must, then build your life in accordance with this necessity, your whole life, even into its humblest and most indifferent hour, must become a sign and witness to this impulse. Then come close to nature. And then, as if no one had ever tried before, try to say what you see and feel and love and lose. Again, sounds like a mentor speaking to a young leader about the importance of leadership journaling. Don't write love poems, he says. Avoid those forms that are too facile and ordinary. They are the hardest 
to work with. And it takes a great, fully ripened power to create something individual, where good, even glorious traditions exist in abundance. So rescue yourself from those general themes and write about what your everyday life offers you. Describe your sorrows and desires, the thoughts that pass through your mind and your belief in some kind of beauty. Describe all these with heartfelt, silent, humble sincerity. And when you express yourself, use the things around you, the images from your dreams, and the objects that you remember. If your everyday life seems poor, don't blame it. Blame yourself. Admit to yourself that you are not enough of a poet to call forth its riches, because for the Creator, there is no poverty, no poor, indifferent place. And even if you found yourself in some well, Rilke calls it a prison, but let's call it some confined place, whose walls let in none of the world's sounds, wouldn't you still have others, a treasure house of memories? Turn your attention to it. Try to raise up the sunken feelings of this enormous past. Your personality will grow stronger. Your solitude will expand and become a place where you can live in the twilight where the noise of other people passes by far in the distance. And I really quite like what what Rilke is saying there. We often hear about the solitude of being a leader, even when the leader has a number of good colleagues, good collegial relationships. There can still simultaneously be this weak to strong sense of solitude. Rilke goes on, and if out of this turning within out of this immersion in your own world, poems come, or parenthetically I would say, the meaning of leadership comes, then you will not think of asking anyone whether they are good or not. Nor will you try to interest magazines, that is to say, external confirmation, right? You will not try to interest magazines in these works, for you will see them as your dear natural possession, a piece of your life, a voice from it. This is very much in line with leadership literature around being authentic. A work of art, he says, is good if it has arisen out of necessity. That is the only way one can judge it. So, dear sir, I cannot give you any advice but this, to go into yourself and see how deep the place is from which your life flows. At its source, you will find the answer to the question of whether you must create. Accept that answer, just as it is given to you, without trying to interpret it. Perhaps you will discover that you are called to be an artist. You're called to be a leader, perhaps. Then take that destiny upon yourself and bear it, its burden, and its greatness without ever asking what reward might come from outside. So ends my reading of the large excerpt of the first letter from Letters to a Young Poet by Rilke. I certainly commend this tome to you, and I ask you to tune in to further episodes of Indistinct Chatter as we begin to interview leaders at different stages of their leadership lives around the world.
and the object is to listen to their stories, to take on board their wisdom so that we might discern how their experiences might help us to better understand our experiences and give further meaning to our leadership lives. Until next time.